Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Please get in touch with your survivor stories or thank you letters. You can reach us at contact at whydoyouthink.com or on Instagram at emily underscore lang underscore UK. Hello and welcome to Why Do You Think You've Got No Friends? My name is Emily Lang. I'm an actress, writer, singer, codependent, returnee from rock bottom and a gratefully recovering addict. And this is the podcast where we aim to rid the shame, the highs and lows and deadly blows that ultimately led us to the lessons that we never knew we needed to learn, but are so grateful that we did. So today is really great because sometimes the why do you think you've got no friends moments aren't terrible. Sometimes they are immediately amazing and immediately life-changing. Nabil Abdul-Rashid has an incredible story. We are discussing everything from being diagnosed with ADHD as a child in Nigeria, being incarcerated, to getting the golden fucking buzzer on Britain's Got Talent. Neurodivergence, mental health, belief determination, succeeding against the odds. Listen to this and please be goddamn inspired. Okay, so it is February 2020. Actually, thinking about February 2020, it was March that we went into lockdown, I believe. So this is like in in the in those sweet golden moments when everyone was kind of stockpiling Luron and it was going fucking mental. And it was like the apocalypse was coming. But it is February 2020. And we are in London Palladium, maybe? Yeah. London Palladium. Yep. And it's going to sound weird when I ask you the, why do you think you've got no friends question? Because it's like the exact opposite. But in this moment, a bit, why do you think you've got no friends? So let's take it back to the beginning. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, um, it, it's no secret that um, I've got ADHD. Uh, so, you know, uh, my whole life, uh, it, it's always been weird because I've, I've been aware of my condition since I was six. I got diagnosed at the age of six. Did so you? before it was cool. 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like yeah. that's, that's, that's really amazing. In Nigeria as well, you know, where uh, the, the approach to these things is very different. Uh, I mean, from here and now, this is early nineties, Nigeria, old man. Mm. Um, and yeah, like, you know, my, the, the, I, I was having issues at school. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't focus. Uh, I would do um, crazy shit to yeah. amuse myself. Um, and the teacher said to my mom, the teacher was a Welsh woman. Why our head teacher in Nigeria was Welsh? I, I know the reason why. It's because oil-rich country, so we have a lot of um, immigrants. Sorry, I mean expats. That's what you call people that go to Africa. But we yeah. had a lot of those. Uh, and um, she said to my mom, we just want to see if he's stupid or there's another problem. Um, literally what she said to my mom. And they did a test and found that I was about three or four years ahead of kids mentally in my class. Wow. But I struggled to focus because I was bored. Yeah. And so began my journey. Uh, leading up to, yeah, mm-hmm. leading up to uh, 2020, uh, you know, February. Um, so, you know, it, growing up, I always knew that I was a bit different from other kids mm. with the way I process stuff. Like I, I tell people, I don't think any differently now mm. from how I did when I was five. I, I've always had the same mind. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I've always had the same mind. Yeah. And um, I've always been extremely anxious around, like from childhood, I was always extremely anxious around other kids because I knew that I process stuff differently. So the only way I could describe it where maybe the way I feel even to this day around most people who probably aren't neurodivergent, is probably how like a really woke white person feels when they're around black people. Like you don't mean any harm, but it's like, you know, at any moment you could unwittingly do or say something. (laughs) That is such a fantastic way of describing it of this, like, Hyper vigilance, which is so yep. exhausting, and it's exhausting. Yeah. It is so exhausting. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of the time, I just found myself being a loner, and um, you know, I, I valued my solitude as a kid. So mm. my earliest memory uh, as a child, my my earliest memory, I think I was about four, and we had VHS. Do you know what a VHS is? Yeah, you, yeah, man. Have you heard of a Betamax? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, so like v- we, VHS was my jam when I was little. Oh really? Okay, okay. So not not that far, not that far off. But uh, we had on VHS um, a, a compilation stand up. We had Richard Pryor, mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy, and a one off one man show performance from Rowan Atkinson, which he was doing basically stand up. And I remember watching that as like a little tiny kid and thinking, "Wow, mm-hmm. that is so cool! I want to do that," but not knowing what it was. Because I grew up um, in Nigeria, where when you go asked what you wanted to be, the only answers were doctor, lawyer, soldier, or corrupt politician, uh, with the first three being an entry point into the last one. So um, <laughs> so I, I always wanted to be a stand-up comic, and, um, but I had to not. I had to not tell people. And right. you know, as a stand-up, my whole life, like you know, like it's a very, very, very competitive um, field. You know, even in the UK, like in, I think the UK has the most comedy clubs per square mile in the world, uh, London specifically, like London rivals New York, but there are still way more comedians than comedy clubs. And, you know, there was some study showing how when the mental health 
uh, facilities started closing down. The number of comedians went up, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a lot of people in comedy, like a lot of people, the mental health crisis led to a rise in the number of comics. Yeah. Super competitive. And like I was doing it at a time when it was not easy to get in if you look like me. Like, think about this, right? Like, I, you would call a comedy club and they would tell you, sorry, we can't let you in because we had so-and-so black person two weeks ago, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, it, it, was, it was, and like someone, like, in fact, here's a, someone actually did this to me on TV. Um, ITV had a show called Stand Up Comedy Heroes, mm. right? It was a competition and we all had to perform. Uh, we only had three minutes, three or four minutes to go on and do some stand-up, which is not quick. It's not a lot of time. Mm. And everyone went on and, like, you know, did a joke relative to them. So I went on. I'm the only African on there. I'm the only Muslim. So surprise, surprise, I did jokes about that. Um, and uh, a very well-known comedian who's on tour right now is one of the judges there, judges there. And all the judges had nice things to say apart from him. He says, oh, what, the black guy. Um, yeah, he was good, but all his material was about being African and Muslim. And this guy, it's okay for this guy to stand on stage and talk about being working class for an hour. But Lord forbid the black Muslim guy do some self-deprecating material for three minutes. So this is, this is what it was like going through comedy when I started, you know? Very different now. It's a lot more like, you know, promoters can't tell us we're shit. Or we'll go on BuzzFeed and write an article about how it went off. <laughs> you know? Go on Google reviews uh, and make up a million different email addresses to be like, you'll never yeah. get what happened. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I'm old school. Um, so it was, it was different. And um, mm. so, you know, we do competitions. You'd be the best and they just give it to another guy. Yeah. That's what it was like. Yeah. And I had all these. And also coming from a Nigerian family and it's quite, quite a middle class Nigerian family, but that's, a doctor, my mom's a politician or was at the time on businesses. We've got like 20 doctors on one side of the family. And then on the other side, like we've got a lot of family in the army. And so, so it's like mm. professionals or politicians, business or military. That's what my family knows. Yeah. So, and here's me being a stand up. And, um, you know, I would hear things like, oh, you're never going to, you'll never pay the bills or you'll never make it. You'll never. So when I did Britain's Got Talent and um, I was going to go on stage and I remember I had to use the toilet because I, I was nervous and I had to use the toilet and someone, you know, when they hit the red buzzer. Brr, yeah, 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 yeah. That shit is so powerful in real life. Bro, the toilet vibrated. I thought that, like, I'm, I'm not going to say, I mean, like they were buzzing people off on that day. There were like 19 comedians. Like there was some guy who was blind and chubby and Scottish and funny. I'm like, if he didn't get a golden buzz, and the thing is, I was talking so much shit beforehand because we have a saying in Nigeria, if nobody shall praise me, I shall praise myself. Yeah. So, like, I talk trash a lot to psych myself up. I'm really nervous deep down inside, but I'm like, yeah, these guys are all bums. They should go home. I'm getting the golden buzzer, blah, blah, Muhammad Ali style, you know. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really believe it, you know, but I yeah. did. But I, so, um... And then it's almost time for me to go on stage and I'm shaking. And like my mom calls from Nigeria. She, she doesn't like it here. She says the weather's shit. Yeah. So Fair enough. from Nigeria, she calls. She's like, ah, Nabil, have you gone on yet? I said, no. I said, ah, okay, don't worry. I'll pray for you. As soon as your foot touches the stage, you will feel courage you've never felt before. I said, yeah, whatever, mom. And I hung up. 
Never doubt the power of a Nigerian mom. <laughs> when, when it comes to prayer, bro, I, I set foot on stage. I shit you not. It felt like, like I was nervous, terrified. Mm, before, mm. You know? But I set foot on stage and it felt like an electric current passed through my foot into my body. Wow. And I went on and, you know, I did like, I performed. It was probably one of the, they, the thing is they cut a lot of material out mm. before. Cause like, they were like, Oh, you know, um, you shouldn't do this joke. And cause you have to send transcripts. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I won't do anything. I do. I won't do anything controversial at all. And then I went on. And I think my opening joke was something to do with Brexit and Grindr. I can't remember something. <laughs> about Brexit and Grinder and um, controversial sandwich. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> we finish and um, I'm on stage and I'm dancing right while they're saying push the go. Yeah, and in my head, I'm like, you know what? Even if I get bored, I'm gonna enjoy the moment because I'm all about living for the moment for reasons yes. I'll reveal later. Mm. But, like I'm dancing and I'm you know doing all this stuff and then I hear like a and I, I look at the screen, and on screen, the X from the golden buzzer looks red. So I'm like, what? They buzzed me off? You fucking... Oh, they bu-? I'm turning around to start swearing at them, and then yeah. golden confetti starts falling. And while it falls, within seconds, I think about all the tough times I've been through yeah. as a comic, all the shit jobs I'd had to, I've had to work yeah. All the embarrassment, the disrespect, yeah. the lack of support, living with a bunch of guys for four years who were my friends and never turned up to a single gig, having my older brother turn up to my first ever gig and be the only person laughing because I'm dying on my ass. All, all these things, every time someone told me no, every time I auditioned for something, I never got it. Yeah. Like, and all the pain and anger and frustration that I had and knowing that Whatever happens from here on out, it will never be the same. Yeah. Whatever, I don't know what it is. It's in God's hands, it's in Allah's hands. But I know that today I made a difference and I just started roaring on stage. Like I literally so much anger, happiness, you know, ah, oh man, I confetti got stuck in my mouth. I spat it out. I went into the camera, like, what? I told you, I told you, big up Croydon. <laughs> <laughs> I feel quite hey, I feel quite know, emotional. I feel I, I feel like yeah. It, it was it was the only way I can describe it is primal. Like yeah. the celebration you saw on 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 um the video mm. was probably a third of why like I went absolutely nuts. Mm. And like the all the like um producers backstage were jumping and hugging each other and high-fiving each other. People messaged me telling me they cried. Yeah. Um the thing is, what my one frustration is that what you see in that video doesn't capture how well I did. Like, it's the best performance I've ever had, but it cut out so much stuff. In a space of like five minutes, I had four standing ovations. Someone who was working in the studio told me that they had to stop interviewing people because the crowd was so loud. And yet the, the 90 seconds you see don't do it justice. And like, man, all the emotion I felt surging. I didn't even know who pushed the buzzer. Mm-hmm. And when Alicia, Alicia go on stage, I was like, who the fuck is this tall woman? I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was later, I realized that, yeah, because the thing is, before the show, 
Um, before I went on in an interview, I said, either Alicia Dixon or David Williams is going to press the buzzer. Come to find out, they both reached for it, but Alicia was faster. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, obviously, they edited to make it look like I was the last golden buzzer, but I was the second. Right. Right. And the only reason Simon didn't hit his is because he'd already given it on the first day because I was there on the second day of recording. And I bet he I bet he deeply regretted that. I reckon he still thinks about it to this day. <laughs> I don't know. If I know Simon Gap. Um, yeah. Man, I couldn't sleep. Like I was shaking. Yeah. Um, and I, I, when I, I promised myself I wouldn't cry on stage like Kojo did. But when I got backstage, I broke down and cried, man. Like, yeah. Yeah, I. Yeah, it's um, eleven years, man. Eleven years of giving your all to something. Yeah. Like, I remember I used to work a job where I worked with reoffenders, people with mental health issues, substance abuse. I co-founded this organization. I did like four different people's jobs mm-hmm. in one. Right. Um. I had to. I would get up in the morning at about seven, head to the office, unlock the office, do all the admin go through care plans of more than 50, 60 people, mm. some of whom weren't even, didn't even have the same amount of mental health issues that I did at the time. And then when I finished, um, I'd go to the gym. Like we finished about five. Sometimes I work overtime. I finished about seven or eight, go to the gym at nine, then had to go do my gigs, then come back home and spend time with my wife and have the weekends with my kids. And the job was so stressful. I remember being covered. I, like all my facial hair turned gray. Mm-hmm. But just, you know, I, I never let go of the dream. I always knew eventually I would get a chance to get my work out there. And um, that moment, yeah, that was one of possibly three or four moments that, like, defined my life. It's so know? inspiring. It is so inspiring. And I think it is so important for us to discuss this because it's the things people see this moment, people see the viral thing that was brilliant. What they don't see is the years that came before the pain, the, like you said, the embarrassment, the failures, the shame that you're holding, the anger, the stress, the like dismissal from your family and like the well, amount. End up there with only two hours of sleep the night before because yeah. I've been having panic attacks yeah. for weeks. Um, I turned up early in the morning, like 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm. Wasn't on stage like 9.45 at night. So I was anxious, sleep, all of that. And, it's almost um, like when you're in that in that situation when um, something is so like, I guess the only way I can think about it, I once, I did a show in New York and on our last performance, I got really bad food poisoning. <laughs> and so I was literally coming on stage doing my thing and then like running off and there was a bucket off the stage that I was throwing up into. It was horrendous, but it is one of the best performances I've ever given. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got this place of like, yeah, when it's always those moments when you are so drained of everything, when like you haven't slept or maybe like, I don't know, there's just some kind of big extenuating, extenuating circumstance and you're in this like superlative place of like, Bang it, and it does become like entirely primal. And Indeed, survival mode. Yeah, and I don't know if can you can you like vividly remember yourself being on stage, or is it something that like you were so present for it almost feels like you can't you can't remember it. Do you it know was what I mean? it, it, the best way I can describe it is I was almost 
watching myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. I went into auto, like I, as soon as I started, like the last moment where it was me and I wasn't in autopilot, that's why I said, hi, my name's Nabil and I'm a Muslim, right? And <laughs> this dude in the front shouted, Allah, Akbar. Like obviously that didn't make <laughs> I was like, oh shit, calm down. Ah. And, then, uh, <laughs> and then I just went into it. I think the first joke I told got a huge laugh. And I was mm-hmm. like, I've got them. Yeah. And you know, stand up, you've got the, the, the audience judges you in 30 seconds. Yeah. And um so as soon as I started um performing, literally I could see myself what like I could I was watching myself on stage. That that mm-hmm. that's I was conscious of myself and almost every single person in the room. Yeah. It was weird. Like, what do they call it? Ultra instinct. Like, yeah. I was in the audience. I was on stage. I was next to myself on stage saying, okay, good. Don't fuck this up. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. And now, like, it, it all, that, that's, I, I, re, I, I remember this. I remember vividly how I felt. Mm. I was, it felt like I was standing next to myself and coaching myself through the situation. And yeah, I remember like when it was, when it was all done, I then went back into me and like when I went backstage, that's when I felt all the fatigue. Yeah. And, uh, but then I would have rushes of adrenaline again. Like, oh shit, I can't believe I just did that. I can't. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a nuts, um, that's probably one of the most exhilarating feelings yeah. um, I've had, like, you know, in terms of like, woo, yeah. what a rush. Like, if I could put that in a bottle. I mean, I know there's a powdered version of what I felt, but I probably <laughs> would not have Oh, and I'm not allowed to take it anymore. <laughs> uh, I have to get it from within. <laughs> it's it. and it comes in little rocks. Oh, wait, let me stop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's about uh, sugar, right? It's yeah, little, absolutely. Pasta sugar, just you're not allowed it. Um, yeah, if you could bottle that and then and then sell it, sell it on Amazon, you'd might be onto Why has no one thought of this? Crazy. Um, I can't, I can't begin to imagine like how how exhilarating that moment must have been because, like, for all. With when you're working in, um, you know, in the arts, you know, as I've, I've been an actress for eight years, like, and, you know, painting, comedy, you, it takes so much, right? you know, there's so much self-belief, so much drive, so much commitment with people telling you that you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not thin enough, you're not, you know, the right. Yeah, I definitely wasn't thin enough, I'll give you <laughs> <laughs> Be like Nabil, go. We've got to do something. Um, but to have that moment of like tangible, unbelievable, tangible evidence that is broadcast to the world of how brilliant you are, and people going, "Look, this, this, this is brilliant. This is amazing." And having, and even though you know, of course, we don't need outside validation to make us feel brilliant. But fucking hell, like the this years. Is why to tell you bastards. Yeah. For all this time, you know, man, yeah. you know the how relief. many comedy promoters. <laughs> yeah. 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 Look, yeah. And like you, you look at this. Look, finally, I've like, 
I told you, I told you, I told you, I told you. I think it's um it's also so great to recognize, and it's something that I've been doing recently is like the moments, the the shit and the like the pain and everything that led up to it, you almost once you get to that point of brilliance, you go, I wouldn't give any of that shit and pain back because every single second of that got me to this moment. Yeah. And that was uh, my let my people go moment. That was yeah. yeah. Also, you then have a really great story out of it. And yeah. you know, I always say my favorite, like you were saying about being around people who know you're in I've got I've got ADHD, got BPD, got CPTSD. I think that like the traumatized people, the weird people are the best. They're my favorite people because they are so interesting and often so funny. And like I just uh, I think I think they're fucking incredible. And so many comedians, like you said, really, really suffer with a lot of um a lot of mental health yeah yeah i mean you know i with, with my even like among comics like i've had a pretty um shall we say a colorful life i've had a lot of life experiences like i did a show um straight after so this, this is the next moment that I, I really um so i had a i had my um tour show right after Britain's Got Talent, but obviously the lockdown kind of mm. happened things. And, you know, um, the show was Nabil, N-A-B-I-L, which mm. was an acronym for Nobody Actually Believed I'd Lost. You know, mm. and um, I remember having this moment where, like, we had to do the Lowry in uh, Salford, not Manchester. I don't want these people getting angry. Oh, yeah, I've done. So, I've made that mistake. People are like, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, um yeah, we, we were doing the Lowry and I remember, you know, like I said, as a young kid, I used to imagine what it'd be like to sell out a big theater and have all these people come see you. And, mm. you know, even though, even through like the lockdown and social distancing, mm. I still had a few hundred people turn up to the Lowry Amazing. to see me. I outsold the guy who won Brins Got Talent and he was from Manchester, <laughs> you know, and, um, <laughs> Not from Salford, though. It's probably the problem. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the problem. <laughs> Reading is so much closer. <laughs> so, like, I remember showing up, and like again, I had that out of body experience where, like, mm. I walked on stage at the Lowry, and Ozzy stood up and gave me a round of applause just as I was coming in. And if this were a film, like how I felt, like I was toddler Nabil, three, four-year-old Nabil, mm. waddling on stage. Yeah. And I was lost in life, and I just thought to myself, "Fuck, yeah, yeah, I did it. You did it, yeah, I did it." You it know, just, it doesn't it, feel but, real. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's not Wembley, but still, like given the circumstances and what I I came from, mm. it was huge. Like you know where, like I first started doing stand up, right? Right. I was a, a guest of the Queen. Uh, I was in jail. Right. Like I, you know, like many people with ADHD, <laughs> I got involved in some shit yeah. and um, <laughs> became a, a guest of Her Majesty, um, you know. And uh, <laughs> that's really good. As, as uh, the bed, bed provided by Her Majesty herself. And uh, <laughs> in this establishment among the ruffians, I. Um, I Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Had like, you know, guards and, mm-hmm. you know, I had a lot of anger, misplaced anger and stuff. And yeah. I would have fellow inmates tell me, you should do comedy, man. You should, like, you're really, f-. I remember this one time we were going to get food and like, I was telling a story and this guy behind, like this guy in front of me turns around. He's like, see you, yeah. You're funny. <laughs> now, when I was outside, I used to book comedy shows, and you're funnier than most of the guys I used to book. I'm like, oh, do you, do you reckon when we get out, you could use your connections to get me? He's like, oh, no, no, I'm a drug dealer now. But back then. <laughs> <laughs> That's just incredible. It's like. I just thought to myself, what are the odds? Like, yeah. what? <laughs> No, 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 I'm a drug dealer now. I'm not going to. I'm a drug dealer now, but uh, you can't even make this shit up. I just love the, like, the simplicity of it as well. I'll just be like. (laughs) I had to diversify my portfolio. I'm now in, uh, I'm now in urban pharmacy, but. (laughs) I'm trying to give up. I'm like, we're we're both in jail now. How are you planning the next crime you're going to commit? Like, it's clearly not going well, you know. <laughs> Part of me wonders what happened to the guys he booked that weren't funny, but that's not my business, you know. But <laughs> man, like, 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 go, God, no, I'm, I'm a drug dealer now. But at the that time, is, that is so funny. I just Who knows? Maybe if I met him on the outside, he wouldn't have to sell drugs. Maybe the ticket sales would. <laughs> hey. Hey, want to just like come back, come back to the, come back to the good side. Um, that is, that is so brilliant. It's like, it is literally, it's like a film. Someone should make, when, when is the biopic of Nabil going to come out? That's what I want to know. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, someone reviewed the show and said it was just like a film, mm. but if you watched it, you wouldn't believe it was real yeah. because the, there's so much stuff that I even left out of the show. Mm. So many crazy things that happened, you know. Like, yeah, I've, I've had guys that like, I've had guys walk up to me like, "Yo, did you go there?" Yeah, I know you. Yeah, I remember you listening. Everybody, if, if we were allowed to vote in prison, you would have won. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but you know, um, it's 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 such a blessing, um, you know. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not glorifying or glamorizing my mistakes in the past. It's not something I'm proud of, but it's there. No, um, it's it's not something you're glamorizing at all. But you're be, like you're inspiring, and you're not you're not letting it define you. One and also, it is such it's a part of your story, and yeah. I think accepting accepting the parts of us like I luckily I haven't I haven't been in jail. But as you said, I think one of the reasons I didn't go to jail is because I was privileged enough to be bailed out of stuff and 
I just like accepting all these parts of you and being an inspiration to other people. I just say, I think it's, I think it's amazing. Um, so after, after this moment, after this experience, did that alter your life? You know, not, not only in terms of your career, but did it alter your emotional life, your life as a father, your life as a husband, the way, you know? Yeah, it did. Um, you know, when, when you have the condition that we have and, Mm. you know, a lot of your life, you don't get the right kind of support. Mm. It leads to a, a downward spiral because, like, there's going to be job interviews that you turned up late for or weren't properly prepared for because of your condition. Yeah. There's going to be things you submitted late because, you know, of your condition. There's going to be times where maybe you over-babbled during an interview and didn't realize because of your condition. Thank so you. constantly you're going to have moments in your life where things that everyone else finds normal you couldn't, there's going to be jobs you couldn't stay at because you just couldn't focus. Oh my gosh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So eventually you begin to think that I can never do anything properly or good or well or adequately. And so you get used to not winning things or you get used to, you get used to not getting the same things everyone else gets. And, you know, even though I didn't win BGT, in a way I did because my name trended for what I did, you know, and I, I showed that I was good at my craft and I, I was good at something that I enjoyed. Yeah. And then overnight, like my favorite comics are following me on Twitter. Like I'm seeing political activists sharing my videos, you know, and the thing is, it's one thing when people like stand up, like your stand up, but people who send me videos, like teachers at universities and stuff, use some of my content yeah. when they're teaching. And I'm like, when you transcend your art form, because like I, I always said, like when I, I like rap music, you know, I'm a hip hopper. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, I, like, I like people like Kendrick Lamar and Tupac. I like the guys that are not just entertainers, but they're poets and thinkers. And I, you know, I always wanted to do more than just make people laugh because anything's fine. I'm an idiot. Like I could laugh all day at people falling down. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, so for me, stuff that makes me laugh has to be either really smart or really stupid, <laughs> not in between. <laughs> so, like, I can sit down and watch the same clip from South Park um, for like an hour on repeat. <laughs> I do that too. I do that too. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so, you know, it changed a lot. It really changed a lot because I went from being a comic nobody knew. Yeah. So people knew and it's accepted that I'm good at what I do. Yes. Yes. Know? And suddenly you're in, you, you get accepted into the inner circle. Yeah. Um, which I now hate because um, <laughs> I've never done well with clicks. You know, yeah. I've always, like, even in a room full of people, I always feel alone. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. I know. I, I, I absolutely hear you. I absolutely hear you. One thing I want to ask you as well is um, because a lot of the time with ADHD, with ADHD, um, a lot of people don't don't know that they have it and are really really struggling with things and just like are unaware and just kind of think that they're just a bit shit at life when actually they do have a condition. Um, anyone who is, if there's anyone out there listening who is struggling with it, what what advice would you give to them about living with a condition? I mean, for me, I've had to learn to play tricks on myself mm. to make sure that I do things. So, like every alarm I set on my phone has a second alarm. 
I leave notes for myself to remind me to do things in unlikely places. Um, so good. Yeah, and like yeah. sometimes, like I, I, I do things, and then I assume that I forgot to do something. That when I check and see that I've actually done, I'm like, oh wow, I yeah. outsmarted myself. Yes. So yes. you know, it's that thing of, um, you know, for example, with with tasks, uh, I think we all need to have a mission statement like a company does mm. right um you know and like because uh, i did a lot of mentoring for young men um what i would do is i'll give them a mission statement so what's the one thing you want to achieve in the next year in, what do you need to achieve those things and then you break it all down to small things that you need to do step by step yeah so for example um I want to get stronger. Okay, I need to lift weights three times each week. Okay, so what can I do to make it easier to lift weights three times each week? Okay, I need to make sure my laundry and this and stuff is done on this day because then tomorrow I have a... So when you kind of... Because with ADHD, when you just tell an ADHD person, tidy up your room and, and, and have a routine, mm. those things become huge. Mundane tasks are like hell. Yes, yes. You yeah, know, exactly. so when now, for example, I see the time that I'm going to use to fold clothes, that's going to be at the time that I also listen to an audio book. Really? So good. the real event is me listening to the audio book yeah. and it helps me ignore the folding that I'm doing. Right. Yeah. And then I take breaks. It's another thing. ADHD is we need to take breaks just because someone else can do some run of the mill task for an hour mm. doesn't mean we can. So. Yeah. Do I do everything in bursts, like reading and things like that. I'll read for 15 minutes. I'll sit down. I'll do something else. I'll play my PlayStation. Um, and then I set an alarm. Mm -hmm. So like, say I've got somewhere to be, I'll set an alarm and then I'll start playing my PlayStation. Yeah. And then once the alarm goes, I know that it's time for me to do something else. Yeah. Because if I don't, I'll get overstimulated and lose track of time. I so, find I find that every single time that I get on and start playing Red Dead Redemption 2 and then find myself... You play Red Dead Redemption 2? Yeah, man. I knew there had to be something about you I'd like. <laughs> I hadn't found it yet, finally. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think the way that you talk about ADHD and the way that you're tricking yourself is absolutely brilliant because sometimes like, I have to do things... like I will lose... I lose things all the time and I have to stand and be like, okay think think like emily and then i'll be like ah oh, yeah and then find my phone in like a shoe at the back of my cupboard like it's yep. it's, it's things are just are just retracing weird. your steps constantly yeah. Yeah. all the things i do with my kids i have to do with myself yeah. i have to retrace my steps but you know the weird thing though is that with adhd so things like where you kept your keys and whatnot mm. you forget mm. but you hyper focus on other stuff Yes. So yeah. when someone walks into the room, you will notice things that no one else notices. Yes. yes. So like when you watch films like Paranormal Activity, for example, that's scarier to you than anyone else because you see the jar fall that nobody pushed it. Whereas the normies, the regular people, the neurotypical the people, yeah, they don't see all that stuff. And also we do better at things like art and performing because yeah. we notice that even when you listen to music, that you notice things in the notes. Mm. When you look at art, like my friend has a theory. Human beings socializing has only become so important now. I think over the time with like the Greeks and philosophy, it became like a big thing that 
everybody was a person of rhetoric. But before that, if you look at most societies, people were divided into different strata. Mm -hmm. So you'd have the hunter-gatherer, you'd have the spiritualist, you'd have the fisher, uh, you'd have the fisherman, you'd have, you know, the farmer. And everyone did what they were supposed to. This importance we lay on being able to talk and say nothing. We are the first generation of humans that put so much importance in leisure. So the people you see now who hyper-focus on one thing, that's just an evolutionary trait. They would have been the hunters or they would have been the monks who sat down and just read texts. Now we call it different forms of autism on the spectrum or Mm -hmm. Asperger's. But many of the people that we look at historically who discovered this shit that we found had some kind of learning difficulty. Wow. You know, like think about it. This guy went out and flew a kite in a thunderstorm, fam. Who do you, who's doing that? (laughs) Does that sound like a normal thing to go and do? Or like my man came, the guy, Graham Bell. Oh, I want to talk to people that aren't even here. Hello? Like, come on. Does that sound like something like a normal, regular person? I'm going to put a bunch of people in a tin can and it's going to fly. Do the right brothers sound okay to you? Everything is happening at the same time. Albert Einstein, does that sound like somebody, like people back then probably thought he was mad. Galileo, they probably thought he was mad. Um, Pythagoras thought, I mean, even I'm surprised his most famous theory is the one about triangles because <laughs> he had an even funnier theory. I don't know if you know, but he thought that beans contain the souls of the dead. <laughs> So how he died, he was being chased by a bunch of people who wanted to kill him. And he got to a field of beans and refused to run through the field. And that's how his ops got him. If not, he would have survived. So how is it his most famous theory is one about triangles when my man thought beans, which basically means that farts were evil spirits escaping your body. But as <laughs> You know, these guys were not, you know, the um, uh, guy had an Isaac Newton. These guys were not normal. These guys were definitely neurodivergent, you know? That is such a brilliant, a brilliant theory that I've never thought of. Because you're so, you're so right. For someone going, what, what if I did this? This fucking yeah. wild thing. Pick yourself like- back 400 years. Pick yourself back 400 years, right? <laughs> You're sitting down, you know, your, your 17th family member just died from flipping the bubonic plague. My man <laughs> from standing out in the cold for a bit too long. Yeah. <laughs> and then my man turns to you and says, I think, therefore I am. What the fuck are you talking about? What do you mean? What? <laughs> you think these are things regular people would think about at that time? The world How do you not needed... see what's going on outside? It's a fucking yeah. war. And the proof of this is this. People like Isaac Newton, um, people like Albert Einstein didn't do well at school. Mm-hmm. Most of these guys did not have degrees. Yeah. Someone like Napoleon Bonaparte, yes, we don't like the things that he did, you know, but these guys did not do well at school. They didn't respond well to authority. Mm-hmm. They were loners. It's all the same pattern. And it, I remember that was actually a chart, a graph that my mom showed me of people who had ADHD uh-huh. um, that were influential, you know, over history. And I, I think Galileo was on there. So it just shows you, like, you know, everyone thinks the world is flat. It takes some balls to stand up and say, actually. Guys. 
<laughs> Stop me for this one, right? So, you know, I think so over time, human beings have lost the appreciation and use for people who think differently because now our lives are structured a certain way. We have to get up at a certain time for the most part. Well, not me, <laughs> but we, we have to get up at a certain time dress the same yeah. and go to this place where we follow all these stupid rules mm-hmm. and pretend it's normal. Mm-hmm. But hundreds of years ago, that was not the case. You know, people lived differently. And, and you know, a guy who could remember, for example, every train, whatever, he's probably going to be able to name all these plants. I mean, think about it. How do we know to combine? I'm African. My, my family, we, we when it comes to herbal medicine and stuff, you know, I, I can survive in the woods and all that kind of like I grew up on a farm in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. I know plants. I know insects. I know somebody sat down and learned about these things. Yeah. yeah. Right. When everyone else was doing important stuff, like just gathering firewood, someone sat down and found out what kind of wood burns. Someone sat down and fa- found out what yeah. kind of snake this named this snake named this plant. You know, that person most likely was neurodivergent. They had they they thought, and it's literally the case, a simple case of thinking differently, of just thinking differently, and that is that that's kind of blown my mind a little bit. That's really that's really amazing. Ah, oh. yeah, man. So oh, I, it's a gift. It's it is. It's like it's it's like a superpower, like Da Vinci and his helicopter. People being like, "What is that?" Yeah, <laughs> can you imagine the first person he showed that shit to? Like, oh, come, come. What do you want now, Leonardo? No, no, I promise it's going to be great. Is it another one of those fucking drawings? I think. <laughs> <laughs> then you go, oh, vafakulo, what's that? Oh, it's good. You fly. <laughs> you just have to make it a speed. <laughs> you make it like a speed. Mario. It's a me. <laughs> Okay, right. Oh my god, it's so funny. Right, we're going to the point now where um, my favorite question, and I can't wait to hear your answer for this because I think it's gonna be fucking brilliant. But um, what what are the things about you as a person that you particularly love and cherish? That damn. Um, I love how stubborn I am. Uh, because if if I didn't have the unbreakable spirit that I have, yeah. I wouldn't be here. Uh, I've survived things that, statistically speaking, I should not have survived. Yeah, uh, and I've beaten odds that I should not have beaten, yeah. and I will continue to do so. Um, and I think that's down to how stubborn I am, and and I've been that stubborn since I was a kid. Yeah. You can ask my mom. Um, so there's that. I love how imperfect I am because it made me work harder. I was never, you know, I was on the basketball team, but at 6'1", I wasn't the tallest guy, but I played the guys who were six foot six. Mm. Um, I, I never had the same background as a lot of comics on TV, but I made what was wrong work. I've yes. always been that, you know? Yeah. I've always been that guy that made the things that, um, the things that I, you know, should have been a disadvantage. I've always been able to use them yeah. to make them work. And um think the last thing that I do like about me is that I am who I say I am. I am not a hypocrite. 
Um, you know, I don't pretend to be a good person or what, but I am who I am. Like if if you've if you've heard me speak, you know the kind of person I am, and and that's it. There's no two faced. Like like I always tell my friends, like you'll know if someone tells you I said something about you behind your back, you know that I probably said that shit to your face too. Like yeah. I am <laughs> as I myself. So. There's so much freedom in that. There is so much freedom in just being yourself because there's no kind of anxiety surrounding like, oh, I need to keep this. I need to, has that person found out this thing that I did or et cetera, et cetera, the shit yeah. that I used to do in the past. The freedom of just being like, I am who I am is, is it's yeah. again, it's like a superpower. Um, <clears throat> what I want to do now as well is uh, we have a little portion of the podcast where we call thank you letters. Um, and we ask you to just shout out a person a place a thing that you want to say thank you to express gratitude for okay so let's see um so does that have to be one of each no it can be it can be one of any of them it can be all of them it can be anything you want okay so first of all um i have to shout out my mom yeah because she never put me on medication um when they found out that I had ADHD, uh, you know, and I had motor skills problems as well as a kid because, you know, I couldn't rise well. My mom introduced me to video games. When other parents were saying, don't let your kids play video games, my mom said, no, it'll help his hand-eye coordination. My mom built a basketball hoop in our house. Like, she had it built, right? She didn't do it herself. She paid someone to do it. My mom had a basketball hoop there because she was like, I know Nabil, and when Nabil focuses on something, he becomes good. Yeah. And at the time, my school in Nigeria was a basketball playing school. And she was like, if Nabil learns to play basketball and he gets really good, he'll make friends because he's having trouble making friends. So my mom did that. Um, I have to shout out. lady. My God. Mrs. Osafiana, my biology teacher, who would always stick up for me in school when I got into trouble. And that was a lot. <laughs> She's like, oh, my God, yeah, here we go. Yeah. The other thing about ADHD is it gives you a quick temper. And I had quick hands, boy. Um, so it's always getting into trouble. Um, I want to shout Jeff Schumann, Noel Faulkner, and Ava Vidal, because these are people in comedy who looked out for me, um, you know, who always believed in me, even when there was no, you know, no apparent reason to. Um you know, shout out to my wife as well, because my, my wife never had any doubts. Um, I remember when we, because uh, like I went with my wife to the Brins Got Talent audition um, and she knew that I was going to get a golden buzzer. She didn't think, so she wasn't saying, oh, don't worry, you're going to get it. She's like, yeah, you'll get it probably. Yeah. It was, she never doubted that I would do a lot of the things that I'm now starting to do. Even at, in moments when we were really, you know, it was tough and whatnot, she never doubted her faith in my talent, never wavered. And, you know, she would, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I have That's to, amazing. I have to. And also, I guess I have to shout my agent now because, <clears throat> you know, she, again, believed in me yeah. when, like, before anyone else industry-wise did, she saw something. Um, you know, so the, these these are people I want to shout. I want to shout out um, Croydon, South London, because <laughs> you know, yeah, you know I mean, it it, yeah. it 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 it. I think it's played a big role in who I am. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to shout out my hometown of Kaduna, 
um, northern Nigeria, outside of Niger- outside of Africa, outside of Nigeria, nobody knows about the the my hometown and where I grew up. But it, it's an amazing place, and I think the the culture, the the characters, the sights, the sounds, the smells that I grew up with really molded me into the person that I am. Especially the the time period that I grew up in Nigeria. I grew up in Nigeria just as the military regime handed over to democracy. I grew up under the military regime wow. and saw Nigeria fight and, and move into the chaotic democracy. I saw the riots. I saw the civil uprisings. I grew up through that. Um, and it gave me, um, you know, wherever I go, I'm yes, I'm British, but I'm Nigerian too. And I'm proud of both. And, you know, seeing what I saw growing up in Northern Nigeria gives me an appreciation for life. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, amazing. wherever you go, always, always, always make the most of what you have. And remember that there's people that don't have what you have. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I also want to thank Wormwood Scrubs, the prison that I went to, because that gave me an appreciation for time. Because when you're locked up, um, you're, you're stagnant and you see time um, pass you by. And as an ADHD person, you perceive time very differently from others. Mm-hmm. And that's why now, like when I want to do something samurai style, I go head first because I feel like I already lost so much time in my life mm-hmm. being put on pause by being in prison. Yeah. But while I was in there, I also had time to think and plan. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. So that, that sorry, that's a whole bunch of shout outs. No, I love it. I think that that's that's incredible and sort of just a huge range of things that have informed you and made you into who you are today that you can be so grateful for i think i think it's honestly it's amazing um is uh is are you is there any upcoming stuff that you can talk about you'd like to oh yeah so um well i'm gonna i'm I'm not sure when exactly it'll be out Mm -hmm. um but i've just filmed a documentary for bbc2 called uh, for a, a program a pilgrimage where myself and a bunch of other people we we hike through uh, Portugal and go to the it's a Catholic pilgrimage so we go to the holy site of um, Fatima in Portugal oh and, yeah uh, yeah so that, that that's that's really cool um, I'm working on a bunch of stuff that I can't talk about yet and then also towards the end of the year I'm going on tour again amazing um, how exciting yeah. um yeah. are tickets uh, are tickets available to book yet or is that tickets aren't available for the tour but my work in progress shows why I'm working on the material Right. That may or may not make it into the tour. Um, <laughs> they are on sale now. Amazing. Okay, then I will I will link everything down below so you can have a look, you can check it out. I will be there one hundred percent because it's just been fucking amazing. Um, Neil, I can't. This was just like mind blowingly glorious, and I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk to me and talk to everybody and share your experience and be so open and honest and so hilarious at the same time and just be just such an inspiration. It really is. I thank you so, so much for doing that. Oh, thank you, man. Um, I think this stuff is very important. I always say to people that um, I want to do as much stuff as I can so that if something happened tomorrow, my kids could look online and see the man that their dad was. So thank you for giving me another opportunity to leave a small footprint. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Lavelle. Thank you. Thank you. 
join me next week with my guest TikTok star and musician Monty Keats. If you or anyone you know is struggling or needs help with the issues discussed on Why Do You Think You've Got No Friends, please visit the podcast bio where you will find contact numbers with people readily available to give support. Please get in touch with your stories at either contact at whydoyouthink.com or on Instagram at emily underscore lang underscore UK. To have your story or thank you letter read on the podcast, please put Survivor Story or thank you letter at the top or in the subject line. We really want to hear from you. We don't care if it's a catastrophe story or a small win from your week, your favourite place, person or thing. We are here for all of it. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and I'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com slash covered.